Welcome to the Gingsberg Podcast. After today's message, take a sec and download the Gingsberg app. It's the best way to find out about and engage with what's happening at Gingsberg. We hope the following message helps you activate your faith and take the next step with your journey with Jesus. Hey, good morning, everyone. My name is Dennis. It's great to see each and every one of you. Welcome to those worshiping online, whether you're here in the Miami Valley or whether you're across the globe today. We're so excited that you're here. Today is the fifth Sunday of our current teaching series, Campfire Stories, where we've been gathering literally around the campfire, and we've been telling some of those epic stories of the Old Testament. Today, we're looking at the story of Joshua from the book of Joshua, where the Israelites crossed the Jordan River. So we'll be looking especially at Joshua chapter 3. I want to invite you, if you have your Bibles today, to turn there or go onto your phone or Bible app and, and look that up. If you're not sure where Joshua is and you have a Bible, you're looking it up. It's the uh, sixth book of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and then Joshua. Joshua chapter 3. But before we do, just to get us in the listening mode, transitioning from worship to listening and then responding, let me tell you this story I just heard. Heard about this guy. He was down at Kroger in Vandalia, and he saw this person that he wanted to meet. He wanted to know her name, perhaps get to know her a little better, but he was having a hard time getting up the nerve to speak to her. And as he was wondering what to do, all of a sudden she coughed. And to her surprise and his surprise, her glass eye popped out and rolled right in the frozen food section. Yeah. Well, he quickly ran over, picked it up, and gave it to her. She was so embarrassed, she said, excuse me. She went to the restroom, and then she came out a little bit later, and he was still there awkwardly standing, and she had put the eye back in, of course, cleaned it off, I hope, and put it in. And she said, you know, I'm so embarrassed Thank you so much. Have you had dinner yet? He said, no. She said, would you like to have dinner with me? I want to thank you. And he's thinking to myself, thank you, Jesus. It's my lucky day. He said, well, of course I'd like to have dinner with you. And so they went out. They had a nice time. She paid for it all. And then she said to him after the dinner, you know, the night's young. How about a movie? He said, well, yeah, that would be great. And so they went to a movie. She paid for it. And then at the end of the movie, she said, I'd like to have some ice cream with you. And he said, sure. And they went and she paid for it. And they had a wonderful time. At the end of their date, as they were parting ways, he's still stunned. He couldn't believe it. He said to her, you know, you've been so kind to me. Do you treat all guys this way? She said, oh, no, you just happened to catch my eye. <laughs> That's bad, isn't it? <laughs> but you're listening, and you're awake and laughing. Here's what I know, Gingsburg Church. You've caught the eye of Jesus. Amen? You've caught God's eye. He loves you that much and has a plan for your life and for my life. And God has a plan for this church, for our life together as we grow together in God's love and God's spirit. And so let's pray together as we look at the book of Joshua today. Let's pray. Lord, Lord we're so grateful to be here today. 
friends and family and new ones who have come to join us today, and we're grateful for them too. We're eager, Lord, to hear from you, and we anticipate great things. Today, our hearts are open, and we pray that the work of the Holy Spirit will minister here as we listen to the word of God. May we just fall in love with Jesus again. May we be ablaze with the Spirit. May we learn and understand what it means to truly be sanctified to the Lord. We pray that today we might have the faith and the obedience to believe that you're going to do supernatural work, signs and wonders, that all the world may know that you are the living God. So, Lord, we know that you desire to take us to a place that we've never been before. So give us hearts to believe and the courage to obey. But we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. I can imagine the camp was full of excitement. They had been led to the east side of the River Jordan. God had delivered them from the oppression of the Pharaoh out of the land of bondage, out of the land of Egypt, under the leading of Moses. They'd crossed the dead Red Sea, and they had made their way through the wilderness to the east side of the Jordan River, where the promised land, the land of milk and honey, was before them, awaiting them to come and to take their inheritance, to take this land. But there was a problem. There were others in the land. And so instead of going into the land, they decide to be good Methodist. They decide to be good church people. They decide to form a committee. They decided to form a feasibility study to see if they were able out of their own might to go into the land and take the land. And so they sent in this group of 12. They came back with a minority report and a majority report. The minority report of two, Joshua and Caleb said, we can do it. We can trust God. It can be done. Let's go. But the majority report looked at the situation and said, it's impossible. We can't go in there. There are walled cities. There are giants in the land. And if we go in there, they will crush us. It can't be done. And serious consequences then happened because they were unwilling to obey God and seize the day and take their inheritance. And so for the next 40 years, we see in biblical history, they wandered back into the Sinai. Serious consequences when they heard the call of God, but they refused to obey out of their fear. God has given each and every church and every individual a call but there are serious consequences when we've heard God's call, but we refuse to obey. And there are many churches today all across the world who have heard the call and have seen the vision of God, but refuse, and they're just wandering in the wilderness. Yes, they're existing, but they're not fully living into all that God would have for them. Now, finding God's will and following God's call is not a mystery. It's not like searching for a needle in a haystack. What is God's general will for every church? It is, what's Jesus's mission? Well, he said it in Luke chapter 19, verse 10. This is God's heart. Jesus said, for the son of man came to seek and to save 
what was lost. And so God is at work. God is mightily at work, restoring the world. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19 says, God is in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. And God invites us on an adventure. Did you know that? He invites you on a journey that you might join God, who is mildly at work. You know, the weight of the world is not on our shoulders. God's the one that holds the world in the palm of his hand. But God invites his people to come, that means you, to join him in his work and being part of this grand redemption plan. But often what we do is we say, that all sounds good, but we've got our things to do. We've never done that that way before. That never happens in church, right? And so we want to do this. And I think God says, okay, you go ahead and you have your bake sales. You have your chicken noodle suppers. You do all these things. They're not bad, but I'm over here rescuing some people. And I'm inviting you to come and to join me in this grand adventure. Mike Slaughter in 1979 tells of the time in which he first came to Gingsburg. And it was a great church at the time, about 90 people. And he noticed really early on that several months out of the year, over half of the year, committees were meeting to plan, to organize, and then carry out their annual fundraising dinner in order to keep the church going strong. They couldn't live without the annual dinner. And, and he noticed that a lot of time, a lot of energy was put towards this one focus in order to have this big dinner, in order to raise money, in order to keep the church open. And so what did Mike do in all of his wisdom? <laughs> he canceled the dinner. <laughs> Didn't go over very well, he says. Some of you were around. Anybody around during that time? A few of you? Yeah. But then the church began to focus on God's call, God's heart. It wasn't that those other things were wrong, but spending all of the time there was not God's plan. God had a bigger plan that a message may go out from these grounds, in a sense, this area, to touch the world for Jesus. God is at work. God is my at work. And God invites us to join God. And that's the whole point of this story. God wanted to bring those people into the center of the known world, the land bridge between three major continents, between Europe, Asia, and Africa, where people would travel, that God might reveal himself fully through the Lord Jesus Christ, who would be born into Bethlehem, and he was going to do it through a group of people. And so God was calling them into this promised land, this new land. And that's the point of the story. So let's look at some of this story here. Joshua chapter 3, verses 2 to 4. So they're finally back after 40 years of disobedience. The next generation, their kids, they're back up with Joshua, this dreamer. They're going to take the land this time. They're really going to do it. And here's the instructions in the camp. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know, no, get this, this is the key. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. Underline this. You have never been this way before. God desired to take them to a place that they'd never been before. It was an exciting time. 
And I'm convinced, I want to share as senior pastor of this church, I believe we're in a season where God wants to take Ginghamsburg to a place that it's never been before. The days of the mega church are perhaps over, but God wants to take us into a new land. It's a land of milk and honey. It's the promised land for a new day, for a new season. We've not passed this way before. We're not going back to the past, how great they were, but we are going into the future with hope. God had never taken them into this land of milk and honey, but that's where they were going. There was a big problem though. There was a barrier for them. And what was it? It was the Jordan River. They had to cross the Jordan River. Now, when you think of the Jordan River, what you need to know is that it wasn't like the Ohio River, the Mississippi River in width. Don't think that big. Don't think the Scioto River, Muskingum River of Ohio, or even the Great Miami River of how wide it is in downtown Dayton. Don't think that at all. Think more like the Stillwater River in the late summer with not much water, or even think smaller than that. I've been to the Jordan River four times. It's not that impressive. You could actually walk across it most of the year. But the Bible points something out here. This was during the spring harvest, and the river was at flood stage. It was high. It couldn't just be crossed. It was a raging river. The snow was was melting off of Mount Hermon from the north and coming down the river. So can you imagine the fear that the people had by looking at this river before them? No way could they cross it, especially the elderly. What about those with children, young mothers, or perhaps those with physical challenges? But here's some instructions that take place, and here's the miracle of the story from Joshua 3. Look at verse 13 through 17. As they looked at this impossible situation, it says this, the priest will carry the ark of the Lord the Lord of all the earth, as soon as their feet touch the water, so they're going first, the flow of the water will be cut off upstream. Underline that word in your mind or in your Bibles, upstream. The river will stand up like a wall. So the people left their camp to cross the Jordan, and the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. It was harvest season, here it is, and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priest who were carrying the ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam. I want to pause right there. So the river dammed up, not at Jericho where they were crossing, but upstream at a town called Adam, which is near Zarephan. And the water below that point flowed onto the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. Then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. So where did they cross? Jericho. Where did the water stop and was dammed up? Upstream at Adam. Meanwhile, the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant stood on dry ground in the middle of the riverbed as the people passed by. They waited there until the whole nation of Israel had crossed the Jordan on dry ground. That's the miracle of the Jordan River crossing. Again, I want to highlight a few things. Notice where the river dammed up. 
at a town called Adam. Scholars, archaeologists, have discovered the site of Adam. And they've discovered that it's 19 miles north of Jericho where the people crossed. Do you get what's happening here? God did a miracle upstream. God did a miracle 19 miles away. God did a miracle out of the sight of the people. Even though God was at work upstream, at first, the people couldn't see it. The people had to simply trust God. The people had to simply believe that God was at work, even though it would only be a little bit later that they would see the results, church, of what was happening here. Now, some of you may be in a season like that. You're in a season of disappointment. You're, you're saying, where is God in the midst of my struggle? Where is God in the midst of my sickness? Where is God in the midst of my relational world that's falling apart? I want to say that God is there, that God is working upstream in your life, that the miracles could already be happening or God could be arranging people or places or things in the spirit world that you cannot see until later. Amen? That God is working in your Adam. Believe it. Trust him. Trust his promises are true, that God is working upstream in your life. I think God has us on a journey of faith. And over time, when we've seen God's hand work more and more, we begin to lean on trusting him. I know that's true in my life. God's promises are true, but it's taken me a long time to grow and mature to fully believe it. Nearly 20 years ago, actually more than that, 25 years ago, I was appointed as a young pastor to a church on the west side of Hamilton, Ohio, Park Avenue United Methodist Church. Rachel and I loved being there. We had five great years there, wonderful people. We started to grow right off the bat, and it was exciting times. And as we grew, not only in numbers, we grew in maturity. And we began to circle the leadership wagons. We began to pray and say, God, we know that we want more of you than just Sunday morning. We're tired of the Sunday morning game, and we're tired of the numbers game. We want to be used by you. We know that you are working, and we want to... Have you used us to take us to a place that we've never been before? And what does that territory look like? And what does that mean? And so we began to pray that God would bring new people into our lives, not just to fill up the pews, but, but that their lives may be totally transformed. That's been my prayer for a year here, that God would take us to a place where lives and marriages would be restored in this place. So as we were praying this, different people came into our paths, and one person particularly, I'll never forget, his name was Jim. He came broken one Sunday morning, and after the service said, I want to meet with you, pastor. And so we were able to carve out some time, and he just started to unload his life to me. He was probably in his late 50s at the time, near 60. He said, my world is falling apart. My wife is having an affair on me. I want to save the marriage. I don't know what to do. So he came in. He told his whole life story. This was his second marriage. 
He had left his first wife. He had an affair with his current wife. He left his first wife years ago, and he had abandoned his two sons. I asked him where his sons were. He said, I've lost touch. They hate me, he said. I think they're in upstate New York somewhere. I don't know. But can we pray to save my current marriage? I said, would your wife come in and meet with me? And I'm a young preacher. I'm not a counselor or anything, but I didn't know what to do. So she, she actually agreed, but she came in. She went out of the relationship. She had somebody else. And, and so she was gone after a couple of times of coming around. Jim stayed with us. His depression went deeper and deeper and deeper. So one night I was at choir practice, got this call. He was frantic. He said, Pastor, I'm giving up on life. I don't want to live anymore. I have no purpose in life. My whole world's falling apart. I'm going to be evicted from my apartment. I'm taking my life. I said, no, you're not Jim. I ran over to his apartment. I called 911. Police came. We rushed him to Fort Hamilton News Hospital where he had OD'd on some drugs, but they were able to save him. He was in the hospital for a couple weeks and people from church visited him. He came back to the church and he knew he wanted a new beginning and he got involved in the Alpha Course. Have you heard the Alpha Course we have out here? He gave his life to Jesus. He started to serve. The church then saw, it was a little church and so we were able to care for all the people coming in and they saw somewhat of a mission. They took him under their wing. They got him a used car. He lost his car. They got him into government-assisted housing in Hamilton, got him a place to live. They started inviting him to different events around the church. He became family. He started to grow in his faith. We discovered he had some hidden talents. He played the piano, and so we put him on the praise team. And his life was renewed. His life was restored. Amen? See, God was at work. God was mightily at work, and God was using us to, to bring about change in his life by the power of the Holy Spirit, amen? Isn't that exciting? Wouldn't you want to be part of something like that? But it's messy. All was messy. I'd come back to Rachel sometimes. Oh, not again, Jim, you know. There's a confession this morning. <laughs> oh, I'm tired, Lord, I'd say. And then some time passed. This was over a couple-year period. We hadn't heard from Jim in a day. We had, he had missed an event. We wondered where he was at. So a buddy of mine went over to his apartment. We found him dead. He had had a massive heart attack. And so I was talking to the Hamilton police, and they asked me, did he have any family? Well, we were his family. But I told him about his two sons. Jim was estranged from them, didn't know where they were. He said, somewhere in upstate New York, the detective who I knew pretty well, he's part of our church, he said, well, we'll try to find him. A day later, they called. Now, some of you know where Hamilton is in Butler County. He says, Dennis, we found his sons. They're not in upstate New York. They're living over in Westchester. He's down I-75, about 12 to 15 miles away from Jim all this time. And so I got a hold of the older son, told him who I was, told him the story, he said, Pastor, I want to come in. And so on a weekday, he came in with his brother and, now get this, their mother, Jim's first wife. He's wearing a cross. He said, Dennis, I want you to know that about two years ago, I gave my life to Jesus. I gave my heart to Christ. The one void of my life has always been my father with all the pain of abandonment. But 
We've always wondered about him and we want the best for him. And two years ago, when I gave my life to Jesus, I began to pray that God would bring him into a situation where he would find the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't make this up. And that he would find a church, that his life would be renewed. We started getting out our calendars and looking about those two years and realized, friends, that was just about the same time that we as a church, we began to circle the wagons and we began to pray that God would take us to a place that we had never been before in ministry. And then God brought about Jim into our lives, that God might do a new work in Jim's life, but also in our lives. Amen? And friends, God wants to take this church to a place, to a place that's never been before, to a place that's never been before. Again, maybe, maybe the mega church days of, of 25 years ago or past, that was for God's time. But now God's taking us to a new land, fully rooted in the word, to a healing community, to a place of restoration, a place of hope for a new day. It's a good day. The question is, are we willing to cross the river? Are we willing to go with God? Now, Joshua chapter three, verse five, almost through, but I want you to hear these words because this is the key. This is the take home. Say, someone says, did you learn anything down at church today? I hope you'll take them, Joshua 3, 5. Write this in your heart. Put this on your refrigerator if you're old school, okay? Joshua told the people. Now, they're getting ready to go. They haven't stepped out yet. The river hasn't dammed up yet. But before all this happened, before the action, we find faith. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do amazing things. Isn't that awesome? Among you. Signs and wonders. Supernatural acts that all the world may know. God is calling us to a new land, but it begins through an act of faith that we've got to sanctify ourselves. We need to consecrate ourselves, meaning set ourselves apart. We do it two ways. First of all, divorce yourself from anything you know is ungodly. That's called repentance. You're going one way, you do a 180. Say, Lord, I'm leaving the past behind. I reject the evil powers of this world. I reject the evil that, that tempts me. All the things I place at the foot of the cross. But not only do I empty myself of all that and it's covered by your blood and your work on the cross. I turn to hope. I turn to you, Jesus. And that's number two. Be filled with the Holy Ghost. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Not only do we empty ourselves, but we're filled up with Jesus. We're filled up with God. And then watch out. Watch out. Because God will take you to a place that you've never been before. Are you ready? Are you ready? It's scary. It's ugly, but it's good. It's the promised land. For some of you, God's already working in the town of Adam. God's already arranging things in the spirit. Just believe and just trust. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this day that is yours. We're just believing right now that you're going to do supernatural signs and miraculous works that all the world may know. 
not about Gingensburg, that they may know that you're the living God. It's about your plan. It's not about our plan. It's not about our strategy, our committees, our feasibility studies. It's about what you want to do. It's about your mighty work to bring about people to yourself. So we just humble ourselves today. Open the eyes of our hearts in the spirit that we might see you at work. Use us to bring about your plan. And for those who are dealing with disappointment, Lord, I pray that they'll just trust you. And I pray that in your time, Lord, in your work at Adam, that you'll bring about the miracle and the blessing for them to fully realize and seize. And then I pray for those who've never given their heart to Jesus today. This could be the greatest day of your life as you turn to Christ today. Would you accept Jesus into your heart today and be born anew? Be born again by the Spirit that all things could become new. For that is our heart and that is our prayer. Knowing that tomorrow and today you'll do amazing things among us. This is what we believe. We trust. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. I hope you enjoyed today's message. I've got two invitations for you before you go. First, subscribe to our podcast so it shows up in your feed every week. And if today's message inspired you and you would like more people to hear it, you can give a financial gift through the Gingosburg app or online at gingosburg.org.